on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Albert Opelika, sports leader. Happy Thursday, everybody, on a beautiful Sunday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Temperatures getting up near 80 degrees today and feeling like a true spring day here in the state of Alabama. Hope you're all doing well on this Thursday afternoon. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. Lots to talk about today. We'll talk to Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. As it gets going tonight, really good games today, good games tomorrow, the Elite Eight coming up this weekend. We'll talk about all of that here on the show. Plus, we'll get into uh, some more spring practice notes about what is happening with Auburn football and uh, any updates on the quarterback battle going on in spring practice right now. Later on in the show, we'll have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, who joins us on Thursdays. We'll get his thoughts on SEC teams in the NCAA tournament and some early notes and storylines coming out of spring practice. So should be a great show today. Carter, happy Thursday, brother. Happy Thursday. Uh, beautiful day outside. Yes. I, lo- I love the weather that we have. I might, I might, if it keeps up, I might play around the golf this weekend. Oh, it's supposed to rain all weekend. That's awesome. <laughs> it is supposed to rain all weekend. And I think, I think there's supposed to be like some thunderstorms coming through maybe on Sunday, maybe again. Do not use me as your as your weatherman, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to rain all weekend. As I pull it up, we'll see at least Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So, and they were calling for something tomorrow, but if you haven't figured out by now that most of the time they don't truly know, and you just gotta wing it and see what happens the day of. That's kind of how I live my life with the weather. I have so. no idea if this is true, but somebody tried to tell me tell me the other week that. When it's a 77% chance of rain, that means 77% of the area you're in will be covered in rain. I saw that, and I didn't know if that was true or not. Is that true? Like, I don't know if that's a real thing or not. Like, Because surely everybody else or most people are in the agreement that when it says, yeah, 75% chance of rain, doesn't that mean there's a 75% chance that it's going to yeah. rain? No, No, it's the expected aerial coverage of rain. What? That's yeah, true? It blew my mind. Holy smokes. What? So where did we... Why has that not been, like, given to us at the forefront? Why have we all been leading a lie in this life about how the chance, the percentage of rain... What a, what a hot start to this what a hot start. show. What a, that is crazy. Did If you knew that and you're our listener, congratulations. But hopefully... Some of you just had your minds blown like we did as we get going on this Thursday edition of On the Line. Hey, go to our ESPN 106.7 Twitter account. We've got a poll up there right now we'd love for you to uh, participate in. It says, which Sweet 16 game tonight are you looking forward to the most? You have Michigan State and Kansas State tonight, Arkansas versus UConn, FAU versus Tennessee, and then Gonzaga and UCLA. So go and vote on our Twitter poll at ESPN 1067. Be involved. And you can also call into the show, 334-321-1390. That number again, 
321-1390. We'd love to hear from you. Your thoughts, opinions about the Sweet 16 starting tonight, and that's where we will start our conversation today. Some really good games going on tonight in the Sweet 16, but I think yeah. it's important for us to look back and see and remind people just how we got here to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament because there were a lot of games last week. There were a lot of big upsets last week, and I think it's important for for us to remind people how we got here. And so you look at some of the teams that are in the Sweet 16 and how they got there. Alabama playing tomorrow as the one seed. They beat Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. They beat Maryland, which, Carter, you had Maryland upsetting Alabama. Couldn't quite get it done there. Couldn't quite. Uh, couldn't come close because they quit. <laughs> that couldn't compete. Qu- I, that... I'm still bitter about that because I would I thought we'd see some fight out of a very senior heavy uh Maryland team. And I've seen that team at their best. They're really good. Mm-hmm. But they just decided with like 17 minutes left in the game, I'm like, we can't beat these guys. Yeah, and to look at the games tonight, uh, FAU, Florida Atlantic taking on Tennessee, the nine-seed Owls, the four-seeded Volunteers, FAU, they take down Memphis in round one, 66-65, a game where... I had Memphis winning. I think the majority of the country had winning. I also had Memphis beating Purdue in the second round. Neither one of those teams even made it there because of Fairleigh Dickinson, the 16th seed, taking down the one seed of Purdue in round one. But FAU takes care of business against Fairleigh Dickinson, and they are into the Sweet 16. Tennessee defeating Louisiana in round one off a game where they did not play well and almost lost. Then they turn around and beat Duke because they absolutely bullied Duke down low and just play their brand of football instead of basketball that Tennessee likes to play and knocked out a Duke team that a lot of people had making the Final Four. Yeah, I mean, it was surprising the way that they just set the tone and they got after a young um, Duke team that I don't... I think that Tennessee kind of went into it with the experienced guys on their team and uh, with the physicality that... um, Plavchich springs and they said okay let's take it to these freshmen and see if we can knock them off their game and they did just that and got a huge win a win that I didn't think they were capable of this Tennessee team is going to have to win ugly uh, in this tournament they already have and they're going to have to continue to do so if they want to keep playing and go to a final four but look at their bracket right now they play FAU today and then If they win this, they move on to the Elite Eight where they're going to play either Kansas State or Michigan State. And so at the start of the tournament, we did not have Tennessee making a deep run. Uh, We did not think Tennessee was a great team, but they're playing their brand of basketball. And like you said, Carter, they're winning ugly and they're going to have to win ugly. Um, But there's a good chance Tennessee can get to a Final Four given the games they have left. There is. I mean, when when you play the brand that they're going to play, you can win a bunch of ugly games. Now, what's going to happen is when they finally lose, it's going to be ugly in the other way. It's going to be like they get the doors blown off them and get beat by 20-something, and it's going to be fascinating. I'm, I cannot wait to uh, see what happens with with this Tennessee team when they do finally have that inevitable game where where whether it's Alabama, I mean, heck, whether it's, Kansas State or Michigan State that um, is hot shooting and Tennessee can't hit shots because we've seen them. they have games where they cannot shoot 
And then when it happens, it's going to be so weird to watch a Tennessee team that's a four seed playing a three or a seven seed, a team that all the metrics love, just get crushed by 20 some. Because that's just how this Tennessee team rolls. Like they either bully you, play more physical than you, and they're going to wear you down over 40 minutes and beat you like they did against Duke. Or you're right, where they can't shoot, they can't score. They don't see 60. They don't even smell 60 on the scoreboard. And you're right. They get beat by 15 or 20 points. So whether that happens or not, I don't know. But I think Tennessee and Tennessee fans should be feeling pretty good about where they sit right now, given that they play FAU tonight. And if they win that game, they'll play either Kansas State or Michigan State out of the bottom portion of the East, where Kansas State, they beat Montana State. Sorry, Christian, if you're listening. Then they beat Kentucky, and they knocked off John Calipari and the Cats in the round of 32. Then you look at Michigan State, who did the Lord's work for everybody else in this bracket, knocking off two-seeded Marquette, who I had winning a national championship in a lot of brackets. I know a lot of other people liked Marquette. That's a really good Marquette team. And Michigan State and Tom Izzo, Mr. March, knocked them off to play Kansas State in the Sweet 16. Yeah, I mean, this is a Michigan State team that is playing really good ball with uh, A.J. Hogard, Tyson Walker, Joey Hauser. Those guys really um, have stepped up, and they've taken their their level of play to a different level here in these uh, first couple games because a lot of people had USC upsetting them in that first match. A lot of people liked that USC team a lot. I had USC. I liked that USC team too. I thought they were going to get it done, and then I thought Michigan State just kind of just handled them. I don't, I, it didn't really feel like a game that was really that much in doubt, and then the same thing happened against a really good Marquette team. You saw the way that they were able to uh, control... Uh, Tyler Kolick in that game. I think Tyler Kolick finished with seven points in the game, and he's been the go-to guy, the leading scorer for that for that Marquette team. Tom is a great coach. He's a great coach. Man. Uh, he's so his, good. His what twenty-four and seven record with one day with the one day rest. The the I guess the round of thirty-two, the round of eight, or I guess a championship game. Which I guess he's only been there what, once, mm-hmm. I think. Um, that record's really impressive, and I think that that's a testament to just how great of a coach he is. I do think he needs that second national championship in order to go to a different tier of legendary coach uh, in college basketball. If he gets a second one, and with all of his his March record and all this other all these other impressive things that he has on the resume... Then we're talking about him being in that all-time top, top tier of college basketball coaches. And isn't it crazy? I know we've talked about it on here before, but the one national championship that Tom Izzo won the year that he won it and how long ago it was, you remember? It was what, 01? I believe 2000? it was 2000. Yeah, it was 2000 when Michigan State won that national championship. So... That's it. And look, Tom Izzo, there's a reason his nickname is Mr. March because he wins in March and he takes, he takes his teams through runs. This is a seven seed of Michigan State team. Like you said, the, the majority of the country had them being beat and upset in the first round. And here they are in the Sweet 16 playing a very good Kansas State team. Do not overlook Kansas State out of the Big 12. They are really, really good and they can score and 
that Kansas State team, I think, could give Tennessee the best game in the Elite Eight. Um, I think if Michigan State gets there, I just don't know if they have the physicality to hang with Tennessee. I'm interested to see how the Owls play the Vols tonight. How does FAU respond after not having the toughest road to the Sweet 16? You played a really good Memphis team, and you played a Fairleigh Dickinson team that beat Purdue, but when you look at the numbers, that's not a good Fairleigh Dickinson team. So how does FAU respond tonight when they play Tennessee? If you look at the other games happening tonight, another SEC squad in action, eight-seeded Arkansas, Four-seeded UConn, Arkansas, of course, coming off of the upset in the round of 32 over one-seeded Kansas, a very popular national championship pick again. And UConn, who beat Iona in Rick Patino now that he has darted towards St. John's. And then they beat St. Mary's out of the WCC. This matchup could be a lot of fun. There's a lot of athletes on the floor. Two great head coaches going head-to-head. Arkansas-UConn tonight, sneaky, great game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that this that Arkansas UConn game. I mean, Arkansas is playing really well right now. Arkansas is playing really well. They just took down the one seed in Kansas. A lot of momentum there. They're going to be a popular pick. But I really like the way this UConn team is playing. I'm really excited about them because I think they're showing all the pieces that you need to show um, to win a national championship. This is a team that got all the way up into the top, what, two in the country earlier this year. I think they were second to Purdue. Adama Sonogo's playing great. Hawkins is playing great. And uh, they're playing their best ball right now in, in the exact moment when they need to do it. And the metrics love that team. They're a four seed in the tournament. They're the number four team in Kimba. Wow. They're good, man. And look, I didn't... I didn't believe in them coming into the tournament because of what their season has been. It's been very up and down. You talked about them getting into that top five. Then they lost like five out of six, and then they got hot again. And so far, they've handled their business. They have not played a game within single digits yet in the tournament. This should be a lot of fun. Lots of scoring, lots of running tonight in Arkansas and UConn. In the final game tonight of the Sweet 16, Number two, UCLA. Number three, Gonzaga. Carter, are you cheering for the Zags because UCLA took down your boys out of Northwestern? Um, I, I don't really have a rooting interest in this game, I guess. I don't know if you have any hard feelings. I think, I think UCLA is the better team. I think they're going to get this win in this one. I'm, I'm excited about this game. Um, I think it's going to be a great matchup. You have the best defensive team in the country playing uh, I think Gonzaga might be the best offense in the country. I th- I do think that was that was true coming into the tournament. I think it is still true right now. So you've got the number one offensive team in adjusted offensive efficiency, according to Kimbom, versus they're now number two. I think they fell behind Tennessee. They've been battling it out for that one spot. But this is unstoppable force versus uh, immovable object. It's just the issue is that um, UCLA offense is still really good. They've got some experience there with Jaime Jaquez, Tiger Campbell. Um, They've been playing extremely well. I do wonder about the health of some of the UCLA guys. That is the one thing I think could slow them down. We saw some shoulder injuries, some ankle injuries late in their game against Northwestern. If they're 100% healthy, I think UCLA uh, is the better team of these two. No doubt. UCLA... 
is the better team. Both of these squads uh, handled business in the first round. Then, in the round of 32, Gonzaga had to come back, and thanks to TCU letting it slip away, Gonzaga beats TCU, where I had the Horned Frogs winning that game. I thought they played better. I honestly think they're the better team. I just think Gonzaga made the plays down the stretch, hit the shots, and Gonzaga moves on to the Sweet 16. UCLA, they struggled against Northwestern, but Northwestern could just never get there and get caught back they up. tied it up at 45, and then Jaime Hawkins hit some big shots. Northwestern went a little bit cold, had a couple turnovers, and the way that UCLA kind of iced that game out and beat a good Northwestern team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was impressive. It well, really was. Well, UCLA is so good defensively, and Northwestern got down by 10. It's just so tough to come back against a team that's as good defensively as UCLA is. That's why tonight's game will be very, very exciting. The matchup's not going to be UCLA's defense versus Gonzaga's offense. It'll be the flip. I always look at the flip side when you have lopsided matchups like this where one team is so good on one side of the ball and the other team is good on the opposite side. I look at the flip version of that. How does UCLA's offense take advantage of Gonzaga's defense? Because the Zags aren't a great defensive team. They are solid, and they're good. Don't get me wrong, but they don't have a UCLA-type defense And UCLA's offense in the last game wasn't fantastic. So that's the side of the ball that I'm going to look at tonight is UCLA's offense versus the Zags' defense. What a game this is going to be tonight. Yeah. By the way, Gonzaga has the nation's longest active win streak with 11 wins. Shows what college basketball is. 11 is the longest active win streak, which... A lot of streaks have been ended uh, over the last few weeks with Duke, conference Duke tournaments. Duke had the longest one until they lost to Tennessee. Yeah, Duke was playing really well, the hottest team coming in to the tournament. But those are the games happening tonight. When we come back, we'll have our question of the day. It's actually our Twitter poll question at ESPN 106.7. Go on and vote. Call in and let us know which Sweet 16 game tonight are you looking forward to the most? Michigan State versus Kansas State, Arkansas versus UConn, FAU versus Tennessee or Gonzaga versus UCLA. Go and vote on our Twitter poll at ESPN 106.7 or give us a call 334-321-1390. We'll give our answers when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Question of the day here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Talking about the Sweet 16 games tonight, which one are you looking forward to the most? It's our question of the day. You can also answer it on our Twitter poll at ESPN 106.7 on Twitter. Out of the games we just talked about, Carter, which one catches your eye the most? Which one can you just not wait to turn the TV on to watch tonight? For me, I think it's got to be that Gonzaga uh, UCLA game because of the um, the history between those two programs. Recently, I think it's seventeen years to the day uh, that we had the Adam Morrison Gonzaga blows like a seventeen point lead in the final like eight minutes or so, and and um, you had Adam Morrison famously on the court crying, and that was. A legendary moment in college basketball history. Historical, and then, yep. Uh, the just a few years ago, um, we saw the buzzer beater, the half court buzzer beater, to send 
uh, Gonzaga to the national championship game over UCLA. Um, I love when we get these two teams matched up because crazy stuff happens or t- seems to happen between these two programs. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's some good games for sure today. Uh, I think that Kansas State-Michigan State game could be really good, especially with the way that that uh, Noel is playing for Kansas State uh, and the way that Michigan State team is playing as well. Um, and then, of course, Arkansas-UConn is going to be a great game. I think the one I'm least excited about is that FAU-Tennessee game. That, yeah, you know, like that, that one, one has a chance to be yeah boring that one just compared to the others that just smells like a tennessee domination type of game for me and it maybe it won't and i hope it's not i hope they're all good uh but according to as of right now on our twitter poll the least common or the least excited game that our uh, followers are excited about is michigan state kansas state that one has the fewest votes as of right now so shocking to uh to see that and it's a dead even tie between arkansas uconn and ucla and gonzaga but still go vote we'd love to to see what you have to say at espn 1067 on twitter but you said gonzaga ucla you know I'm looking forward to that game because I may or may not be cheering for one team harder than the other. And you have decided that you're going to build a just mansion on the hill <laughs> that Gonzaga is overrated and you root against that Gonzaga program every chance you, well, you get. I don't say I'd root against them, but uh, I ah, believe it. I think you do. <laughs> well, look. When Gonzaga wins a you, national championship. You've been getting in Twitter fights with Gonzaga fans. I have been in some Twitter beefs with Gonzaga fans, and that's okay. I, I completely welcome it, but that is going to be a good game on a real note. That will be a lot of fun, and it's the late game. I'm excited to see uh, how both teams play and the matchups in that one, but the one that's going to be the most fun, in my opinion, is Arkansas and UConn. I think this game has a chance to be played in the 80s. Uh, I think both teams are going to get out and run. They both love to force turnovers and shoot. Now, Arkansas can't shoot threes. They're a horrible three-point shooting team. And UConn is actually a good just half-court offense. And so I'm looking forward to that game. I think you're going to see a lot of points. Arkansas does not really hang their hat on defense. And I'm interested to see just the stars play in this game. Nick Smith Jr., does he have a good game against UConn? What highlight plays does he have tonight for the Razorbacks? You're looking at two really, really good coaches. Uh, Obviously, Musselman at Arkansas is is a good coach. Whether you like him or not, he is a good coach, and he's looking to go to his third Elite Eight with this Arkansas program. Like, Think about how big that is. Three straight Elite Eights for Arkansas. If they win tonight. 100%. I think that it would be, um, we might be seeing a a golden era of just SEC basketball with these coaches that are that are taking these programs to um, not heights that they haven't seen because Arkansas won a national championship before, but three straight Elite Eights is crazy success. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen. I mean, you look at what Kentucky's been going through with Calipari like it just it does not happen this way and I think that um the way that Muss would have gotten that team on track uh a team that underachieved all year long and Elite Eight would be very impressive and this just shows that 
all you got to do is get to the tournament, right? Arkansas had injury problems all season. They had to turn it on late to make a run and not to get into the tournament, but to keep their name in the tournament. And now here they are. They've made a little push to the Sweet 16, and they have a chance to make it to their third straight Elite Eight after they beat a solid Illinois team and upset Kansas in the round of 32. Arkansas-UConn, that's the game I'm excited about tonight. Should be a lot of fun with Musselman on one side, Dan Hurley on the other side. UConn, one of those Big East squads, man. Don't mess with them. They're really, really good. I think it's a coin flip. I think I'm leaning towards UConn just a little bit more uh, if I had to pick a winner in this game. But, man, what a fun night it's going to be in the first night of the Sweet 16. Again, go to our Twitter page and vote on the poll at ESPN1067. Phone lines are open as well. 334-321-1390. We'll talk Auburn spring practice and the quarterbacks when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on the Auburn Opelika sports leader, ESPN 1067. Let's get to the phone lines for the first time today. 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, guys. How's it going? It's going all right, Terry. Terry. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, before you guys move on from the basketball talk, I really believe your national champion is going to come out of the Creighton-Alabama matchup if it happens. Interesting. It's not I a bad pick. I don't hate that because yeah. I've been very pro on this uh, Creighton team, and I think I, I think in my Sweet 16 bracket I have Creighton pulling that upset. <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying. I keep trying. <laughs> I like that Creighton squad, Terry. I really do. And then we all know how good Alabama is, and their their path is not going to be – extremely difficult to get to the final Creighton was a preseason top 10 team so they Mm -hmm. have the talent to compete with that Alabama team Um, it's just a matter of if they keep playing good ball in my mind and they had a lot of injuries early and they're all getting healthy at the right time yeah and they've and they've been good so far in these first two tournament games they beat uh, NC State by nine and then they played a Baylor team that was the three seed that they were the underdogs against and I know it was just a nine point win but they kind of just held Baylor at arm's length the entire game. Now I'll give an honorable mention to Connecticut because I think Connecticut could be really str- a really fun team to I watch. Agree. I think that yeah. game that's going to be the most entertaining game of the tournament. Wow. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I like that look. I do think that we are sleeping on this Texas team. I think we're sleeping on Xavier too because I like that Xavier squad. I think Texas is going to get that win. And I think it te- this Texas team might run through everybody. And the way that Xavier had to battle back against Pitt in the round of 32 definitely could. That's That'll be an exciting game, too. But notice how we're talking some Big East squads here. UConn, Xavier, Creighton, some really, really good teams out of there. I can understand something I heard. I don't know if you guys have heard this or not, that Texas is still looking for a coach, even though this guy could do what he's doing. They, yeah, have not, I have, they have not made him full-time yet, which, which is insane. Absolutely. How much – okay, here's something for you. What if, say – Tonight or or in the morning, their athletic d- director removes the interim tag 
right then and there and says, all right, we are rolling with, with our guy. We are rolling with Rodney Terry. How much of a shot in the arm, how much would that build momentum going into this Sweet 16 Elite Eight? Could we see this Could we see this Texas team just become a run, runaway train as this group of experienced guys? I mean, a bunch of seniors. You got four big-time seniors uh, in your group that does a, has a lot of your production. They're out there, and they're playing for their guy in Rodney Terry. Look, I like car. I think it's as simple as Final Four or go home. That's what you're going to get if you don't do it. Which is fair, yeah. but I think to, to play devil's advocate a little bit, if you come out and say, all right, Rodney Terry, before this Sweet 16 game, you are full-time head coach, you're our guy, we're running with you, does that put an added pressure on Rodney Terry as a head coach going into the Sweet 16? I don't Look, they so. already look stupid because of the way they did Chris Beard, and what he's, he's, everything's been settled, so that, that's, that's just I think, ridiculous. I think, if anything, it would create less pressure, because right, right now, like, with the interim tag on there, still technically fighting for his job. For, exactly. Yeah, like that's fair. You could remove pressure on him and free him mm-hmm. up to not even have to worry about in the back of his mind. Am I going to be the guy here next year, or am I going to be looking for a job somewhere else? I think. I think removing the interim tag would build further momentum and allow you to really, I think, generate some excitement going into this game versus Xavier. Yeah, see, Carter, I like that a lot. Because back during the football season, everybody was talking about Carter Williams, head coach, and I was like, no, he's a great motivator and he's a great person, but he's not a great coach and he's not ready. And yeah. so I think anything like that would have been ludicrous. I really did. People say, well, he's a good Auburn man. you got to get past that. Yeah, you got to find you a football coach first. Yeah, and that's fair. And I think, you know, these are a little bit different situations. Look, I'll be honest. Nah, totally I don't, different. I don't Rodney Terry's been an assistant coach for a long time. He's been right. a head coach a couple different places. Like, mm-hmm. he's very experienced. And mm-hmm. that was, Terry, and I, I know you're not comparing the two situations no, to apples to not apples not because that, that was one of our talking points when people wanted to remove the interim tag off Carnell Williams mm-hmm. was – Cadillac's been a college coach for like four years, like yeah. total in his career. Like he's not that experienced. He hasn't been been in the college game that long, right? Yeah, he went from play in to coaching pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you know, he hasn't been like a coordinator or anything like that. I mean, he had the the position coaches uh, positions, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, the right. right. And like Carter said, not that you were comparing those two, but it does bring it up a little bit. But no, 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 no with, with with Rodney Terry, I mean, he has proven. Given what happened in the middle of the season with this Texas squad, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of talent on this team, and they were going to be pretty successful no matter who the coach is, but for him to work this team through their head coach being fired, the media coming down on the university and the basketball program, and for him to rally this squad, bring them together, and for them to love him as much as they do, credit to him, and he he deserves all of it, and the fact that Texas has drugged their feet this long on it is sort of disappointing, in my opinion, and I hope they give him a full-time contract because Rodney Terry at Texas has deserved it. He absolutely deserves it. I'm actually just to sit back here and listen to you guys talk about the Auburn spring spring quarterback race because uh, it's a lot, a lot of people. I'm, I'm of the opinion that um, that the, the quarterback of the future is not on campus yet. I, I appreciate it, guys. I, yeah, Terry, appreciate I, it, Terry. I 100% agree. I, I don't think – with the things that I've heard so far – I mean, it sounds like T.J. Finley has been the best guy when uh, you don't have the live bullets flying. You're 
There's no contact with the quarterback. It's a lot of throwing on air. We know T.J. Finley looks good in those moments. I was but, about to say, haven't we heard that story before? Yeah, I mean, we've we've seen it every kind of level of his career. I mean, every every opportunity that he's had to look good in those moments, he has. And he's looked, I think he's looked better than the other two. Um, I But I think you kind of know who TJ Finley is. You know what he is. He's a known commodity at this point, given the amount of time that he's played uh, at the college level already. And then you look at Robbie Ashford. I think Robbie Ashford's still struggling with some accuracy stuff. And you are, by not going live, you're taking away his biggest asset, which is his athleticism, which is his legs, his ability to extend plays, his ability to pick up first downs with his legs. Holden Gurner was the guy who we thought had a very high ceiling. I think it was a really slow start to the spring, but I think he's starting to come around. Mm-hmm. We saw him throw well at Pro Day. I'm hearing a little more positive buzz around him, but he was still kind of a distant third until this week. Can he climb back in there, and can he potentially uh, take the lead in this quarterback race? Maybe, but but I it's got to be – got to have that consistency multiple days, especially when you're asking somebody to lead your team for 12 Saturdays in the fall. Appreciate the call, Terry, and uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390, basketball, football, uh, whatever you want to talk about. 334-321-1390, you bring up the point about TJ Finley. That was my argument near the end of the season, and once we were getting into the offseason, which is obviously where we are now, is TJ Finley's been playing college football for a few years now. Like He has been in multiple systems he has been playing the game for a few years now, and that's been my biggest argument, and it still is with TJ Finley. You know what he is. You know what you are getting with TJ Finley as your starting quarterback. You know what you're getting with him when he steps on the field and takes the snap. And we know that he looks 10 times better in practice when nobody's running at him, where there's no pressure, when the lights aren't on, when there's nothing at stake for TJ Finley. He's a good practice quarterback, but you yeah. know what he is in the game. And I don't think that's going to change at this point in his career. That's why I think it's important for us to start looking at Robbie Ashford, who we've talked about. The ceiling is really high for a guy that has athleticism, who can do multiple things at the quarterback position. Yes, his accuracy is still an issue and has to be worked through, and maybe that can change with Hugh Freeze but I would rather Robbie Ashford get the job than TJ Finley because there's room for him to grow and get better. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Holden Garretter, where, as you mentioned, we're starting to hear a little bit and see that he has looked pretty solid over the last couple of days. Now, there's a long way to go, but he has a lot of room to grow and improve as well. And then option B, C, D, whatever it is, go get somebody out of the transfer portal. So all of these options yeah, are still open. Like, I don't think you can rely on uh, three-star quarterback Hank Brown, who's not on campus in January, to come in and win this job and be a stud as a freshman. I think that's a lot to ask. <laughs> yeah, just a little him. bit. So I think if you are not comfortable with those three, you have to go find somebody. And whether it's a, and it, and keep in mind, it would have to be a quarterback outside of the SEC, given the SEC's intra-conference transfer rules because if they aren't in if they weren't in the portal by a, i think like january 19th or february something if they're a grad transfer uh then they cannot play in the 2023 season i know that everybody for like the second or third year in a row it feels like 
Everybody got really hyped about the name Brock Vandegrift, the former five-star quarterback that I think grew up an Auburn fan. I think maybe his mother went to Auburn uh, as a potential transfer for Auburn. That ship has sailed for 2023. If he were to leave now and come to Auburn, he cannot play in 2023. And if you don't feel confident enough in your guys through spring that you think you need to go get a transfer quarterback, you can't go get somebody who can't play in 23. You're going to have to go get an ACC quarterback or a, or a Big 12 quarterback or a G5 quarterback that we've, we've seen some names thrown around, like when Grayson McCall was in the portal. Mm-hmm. I see right now with the messaging that Hugh Freeze has put out there. I don't think he loves this quarterback room right now. I really don't. No, he said I it. I, I mean, don't. He's yeah, disappointed. He a long what, way to go. A long way to go. He's disappointed at what they've done to this point, and he's going to put them through through the process and try to see. Okay, is there talent? Is there enough talent in this quarterback room for me to work with and make better to where by August I can have a starter? Or maybe he learns by the end of this. Oh crap. I have to go get I think a quarterback. He's somebody regardless. I think he's getting somebody regardless for sure. But when I look at this group right now, TJ Finley might be out front, but I think he's got the lowest ceiling of the three in that room right now. Robbie Ashford, we know, has a really big ceiling, but he also has a really low floor. And Holden Gurner, I guess we don't truly know what the ceiling is. I think that's fair. Uh, but I think he's behind, like where his current level is, is below the other two right now. Can he continue to show what he showed at the Pro Day where you had quotes from John Samuel Schenker talking about how he chose him because he thinks he's really, really good or Tank Bigsby saying he's the most accurate quarterback he's ever met? Like, can you continue to see that Holden Gurner? Because if you do, you might have a guy who could start in 23. You might have a guy who could lead the the offense. And, and I do wonder... Where is he at learning the playbook for for all these guys? It's a new offense. Um, I would say that T.J. Finley probably has the leg up on that because this is his what third offense in four years that, to learn. So he should he's got experience when having in having to right. learn a playbook right uh, in a short span. Um, Robbie Ashford had to learn it last year, and that was I think that was part of the reason why you've. Um, because you, cause you heard last year going into the season that there's going to be a package for Robbie, and I do wonder how much of that was him not being fully comfortable with the entire playbook. I I wonder about where these guys are with this new offense, this new playbook. Um, could that be something that is limiting this group, potentially? And I think it's a fair question to ask, how good was the playbook last year? Like, I think it's pretty bad. I, I don't know if you <laughs> saw mean, this. Uh, I, I think that's I, I a reasonable thing that you should give credit to these guys for. Like, how good was the playbook last year? The I think it's a an analytics um, group that helped Auburn make some assistant coaching hires this pe- this off season, this current off season. They had a tweet last night. I'm gonna see if I can find it. I think based on their analytics, because they grade every coach in the country, Auburn had the greatest shift positive shift in coaching staff rating they went from a bottom 20 staff in all of the fbs to a top 20 staff nobody had bigger improvement which is encouraging i mean that's to your point how good was the playbook last year i don't know and uh considering that 
a skeleton crew of a staff on four days' notice, uh, having to use a playbook that's not theirs, was able to do more on offense than Brian Harson and Eric Keysaw. Uh, um, that says a lot to me. And I think that with Philip Montgomery, with Hugh Freeze, with Kent Austin, with these really good offensive minds together collaborating, you're going to see a lot better offense. And you're going to see an offense that tries to fit the skill the 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 skill level the what their players do well. I don't think Brian Harson did that. Especially we saw that when you put Robbie Ashford out there. We know he did that. And they did not use his legs to the level that they did as soon as Brian Harson was gone. Mm-hmm. And we saw that offense go to a different level as soon as they started using Robbie Ashford's legs. The run game got infinitely better because that's his skill that's his greatest skill Robbie Ashford as of right now it's crazy to say as a quarterback his greatest skill is his run game because his accuracy is just not there yet and so I think questioning what the playbook looked like last year I also think what questioning the development of players last year because Mm -hmm. Robbie Ashford didn't get a whole lot better but how much of that is against him versus how much of that is against the coaches who, like yeah. you just talked about, apparently was a top or a bottom 20 staff in college football. Yeah, and I don't even know how good of a true quarterback developer uh, Brian Harson and Keesaw were. But here's the exact tweet that I was talking about. This is from Matrix Analytical on Twitter. Biggest improvement in staffing in the SEC is Auburn led by Coach Freeze. From a bottom 20 graded staff in 2022 to a top 20 Heading into the 2023 season, that is the biggest jump of any FBS program. How about it? How about that? In in a very, very short time when Hugh Freeze was hired as Auburn's head coach, went out and got guys he trusts, went out and got guys that are proven, and went out to get guys that will help him recruit and make players better, develop players throughout the offseason and throughout the season as well. So, We'll see how it goes, and I think Auburn fans should be patient. I think if there's one thing we learned with the quarterback battle from last year is do not jump to early conclusions, and myself included. I'll be the first one to tell you. Don't jump to early conclusions. Don't read into everything that happens in the spring because a lot can happen between now and that first game late August, early September. we got to get to our final break here in hour number one. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. We're going to talk Auburn baseball when we come back. And speaking of Auburn baseball, pay attention now. Got two tickets for tomorrow night as Auburn baseball gets going versus Georgia tonight at Plainsman Park. I have two tickets for Auburn baseball tomorrow, Friday night, March 24th, Auburn baseball versus Georgia. These tickets are sold out. You can't buy them. They are sold out versus Georgia tomorrow for Auburn baseball. First one to call, you get them. 334-321-1390. We'll wrap up the hour number one when we come back. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. couple of more minutes here on the first hour of the Thursday edition of On the Line. And we were going to talk baseball, but I just got a notification about uh, the comments from Nick Saban. And he, as we figured he probably would, he clarified those comments and, and had to say, no, they were not directed at NATO for the basketball program. Well, of course. of course, the quote was, 
And what really took everybody by storm was Saban talking about Tony Mitchell, who was suspended from the team, uh, the football team, for being arrested and charged uh, with marijuana possession and intent to sell, distribute after uh, he was caught with 226 grams of marijuana in his vehicle and driving 141 miles an hour away from police. The quote from Saban in the middle of it said, there is no such thing as wrong place and wrong time. And of course, everybody took off and ran with it, us included, because how could you not? The, it was just wild that those were the words that he used. And we had the conversation, just like a lot of other people did, was this directed at Nate Oates and the basketball program? And at Alabama's Pro Day today, Saban was asked about it and if he had anything to clarify from his Monday news conference. And here's what Nick Saban said, quote, I don't watch basketball coaches' press conferences. How many years have I been coaching? Never watched one. Never listened to what other people say, Saban said, per AL.com. That was strictly about our program and what we do. It had nothing to do with anybody else. I don't make any comments about anybody else. We hope the basketball team does really, really well. Look, okay. I've seen people try to cite other moments where he's made statements not knowing what was going on because he's so focused on his program and he doesn't listen to the other stuff. This is so totally different than any other situation that has taken place while Nick Saban has been there because this has been the loudest story in sports. This has been the number one talking point in this state for the past month plus. This has been the worst PR handling that the University of Alabama has had since Nick Saban has been there. Do not try to tell me he did not know about Nate Oates' comments. And the statement he just made, he didn't really come out and say he did. He said he, all he said is he doesn't watch basketball press conferences. That doesn't mean he didn't know that it was said. That doesn't mean he didn't see a clip. That I, There's no way. No way on this planet he did not know what NATO said. And if he is as calculated as we all say he is, it's not a coincidence. Can't be. I agree. I absolutely agree. Hour number one in the book. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird here uh, solo, and I guess here for the first minute uh, or so of hour number two. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the the Sweet 16 so far today. Uh, talked about uh, Auburn spring practice and the quarterback battle. But uh, I do want to get back into talking about the Sweet 16 games uh, because... They start here in, what, just two and a half hours, uh, the first one being that Michigan State-Kansas State game. Uh, Jacob, 
How do you uh, feel as we start to approach these matchups? Uh, are you starting to get any? I, I guess I've kind of telegraphed some of my gut feelings. What uh, What are your thoughts on some of these games? Yeah, I mean, when you look at these, when you compare games that are tonight versus tomorrow, if you had to pick on which ones are more exciting, uh, I think tonight is probably the more exciting night versus tomorrow just because there's better games throughout. Where tomorrow, you're going to have a great game with Xavier Texas, right? I think you're going to have a great game with Houston-Miami. You could have a good game with Alabama-San Diego State and Creighton-Princeton. I just don't know if that one's going to be all that competitive, but you look at tonight, Arkansas-UConn, Gonzaga-UCLA, Kansas State-Michigan State, and then possibly FAU-Tennessee. Like That one could be good, but I do think the other three will all be really, really good, competitive, and a lot of fun. And again, when it comes to Florida-Atlantic-Tennessee, I just don't know how that one is going to be competitive. Look, Florida-Atlantic, good for them. They're in the Sweet 16 for the first time in program history, and I think that's exciting for them. I just think Tennessee, they're going to play football against you, and I don't think Florida Atlantic can compete with that. And so given that, I am i can't say that I'm overly excited for Tennessee FAU. But the other three games... It is the biggest point spread What is it at right games. now? It's four and a half, which the Arkansas-UConn game, UConn's a four-point favorite, so it's relatively close. But the other ones are both, I think, one point uh, in UCLA's favor and one point in Michigan State's favor. Really? Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. That's interesting. That's that's really, really interesting. The total, oh my goodness, the total for the Tennessee FAU game, 129.5. That is horrible. That is so low because they just they expect Tennessee to not be able to score and they expect because they just don't score in general and then they definitely don't expect FAU to score uh, because of Tennessee's defense so that's the game I'm least excited about Uh, wondering uh, what our followers on Twitter are saying right now at ESPN 1067 on Twitter we've got a poll up about these games and which sweet 16 game tonight are you most excited about a slight lead for Arkansas versus UConn second is Gonzaga UCLA third is FAU Tennessee and last is Michigan State Kansas which doesn't make sense (laughs) it's tied for the closest like yeah spread yeah I I think it's going to be a lot of fun and that's the one that kicks it off and not only does it start the night it's at the quoted most famous arena in the world at Madison Square Garden in yeah, downtown New York City. That's going to be awesome. But uh, it Ooh. just do. I just looked at the over under for the FAU Tennessee. Yeah, that's game. what I was saying. It's 129 and a half. Like that is horrible. Like, that's nine points lower than the Michigan State Kansas State one, and a good bit lower than the other two. Yeah, that, that's what I, that Gonzaga UCLA one's 145 and a half. Excited about mm, that. We can yeah. get a high-scoring one in that matchup. I think the Arkansas-UConn goes over at 140. I think this game could be in the 80s both ways. I really do think that that game is going to be fast. It's going to be really, really fun. Lots of transition. Again, Arkansas can't shoot the three, but maybe they get hot. UConn can shoot the three, though. And I think that one, that's the one I'm most excited about is Arkansas-UConn tonight. I just think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to chastise our our listener base if this Michigan State Kansas State game turns out to be the best game of the night (laughs) because I'm really excited about that one I I am definitely the most excited about the Gonzaga UCLA game uh but 
not even close do I consider um I mean I I, I think FAU Tennessee is by far the least exciting matchup of this group. It's like it's just like tomorrow night, the worst matchup. We all have it in our minds. Fifteen seed Princeton versus six seed Creighton. Yeah, exactly. There's no doubt about it. And but, that, but so I want to bring this up because I did the research of the first hour talking mm, about that Michigan State team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tom Izzo has been the head coach at Michigan State since the ninety five ninety six season. In that time period, how many lottery picks do you think he has had come through his program? Mm, that's a really good question. It's a really and it's going to be higher than I think it is. Oh, I don't know. Since his time since his start at Michigan State, how many lottery picks? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I don't even know what to guess. I mean I don't I don't know. So so all right. Fifteen? I hang on. Before you answer Michigan State, I'll give you some uh, kind of tent poles, other other blue blood kind of programs okay. to base this answer off of. Duke over that tenure, over that same period of time, twenty four lottery picks. Okay. Kentucky over that same time period, twenty five lottery picks. Twenty two of them in Cal's tenure from '09 to now. Hmm. Okay. And reminder to our listeners: lottery pick is top fifteen and up in the NBA draft. Right? Yeah, I thought it was fourteen. Is it 14? Am, I, am, am I wrong with that? Okay, maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong, and there could be, I mean, everybody could have like one or two more. I believe it's top 15, but you you might correct me if you look it up, but it, it's in that top 14 or 15 tier uh, in the NBA draft, so I'm trying to think. Again, Michigan State, I feel good with 15, but again, I think it's going to be more than that. I, I think it... With your given that you did the research and everything, my answer will remain at fifteen. It's but the, it'll, it's the fourteen teams. Fourteen. Okay, 14. got you. Top fourteen. My apologies. My apologies. So top fourteen. I'm gonna stick with the. Fi- I'm gonna stick with the fifteen number, but it's probably more than that. The answer, five. Really? He has had five lottery picks in his tenure at Michigan State. And when you look at just what he's done. In his time at Michigan State, he's won a national championship. He's been to the Final Four eight times. He's won the Big Ten regular season ten times. The Big Ten tournament six times. He's done all of that with just five lottery picks. Interesting. Comparing that to the other blue blood names that will come up, Kansas has had 17 in that span. UNC has had 14. UCLA, which has not been as consistently great over that uh, tenure as the other over that period of time as these other schools, they had seven. So even they had more. Hmm. Indiana, which legitimately, like we can have a conversation about, is Indiana a dead blue blood? They're getting a lot better. They, I think, they're on the right track to get back where they want to be. But for a while there, they weren't all that relevant. Even they have had six in that period. Hmm. So of those schools, Michigan State has had. The, the least amount of truly elite NBA draft, like lottery talent. And what he's done is remarkable, and I think that that deserves to be another thing that we put on the resume for just how great he is as a coach, especially in March. Which is fair, but I think a number that you brought up that's interesting when you talk about Tom Izzo at Michigan State, if we, and myself included, are going to give John Calipari... The 
gripe and the harp on him that he has only won the one national championship at Kentucky and has made a bunch of Final Fours. You said Tom Izzo has been to eight Final Fours and has one national championship out of it. I think you have to... And look, it's hard to get there, and it's hard to win a national championship in college basketball, but you've been there eight times, and you've got just the one national championship 23 years ago. Like, I think that's a conversation you have to have about Tom Izzo on his resume. Eight Final Fours is historic, but only having the one national championship out of that, not great. I think think that is totally fair. I am with you that you can have that conversation about that with Cal and with Tom Izzo, but what we just looked at, John Calipari on paper is taking the most talented team to the Final Four almost every time he goes. Tom Izzo, of the Blue Blood kind of caliber programs, he's pretty consistently taking some of the lesser talented teams. So I'm more willing to give Tom Izzo a pass than I am John Calipari. Very fair. Very fair. John Calipari has been to six Final Fours, by the way. Cal? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, let's just be honest, he has the most talented team in the country almost every year at the start of it. I mean, John Calipari... I think think Duke in recent years has challenged him, but other, like... Those two have been pretty mm-hmm. much at the top. Yeah, and Cal has done the least with the most. There's no doubt about that. That includes being bounced in the round of 32 this year. And and what will happen to Cal in Lexington? The, the rumblings have been loud recently uh, coming into this year and now this year after uh, what was a disappointing regular season for them. They turned it on there near the end, but with their National Player of the Year, Oscar Shibwe, returning and it not really leading to anything, I think the disappointment is there in Lexington. But Michigan State in the Sweet 16 tonight against Kansas State. That one is sneaky good. Arkansas-UConn, that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Gonzaga-UCLA, we talked about it in the first hour. What a fantastic matchup. You have two 30-plus win teams here playing tonight Gonzaga 30 and 5 UCLA 31 and 5 these are two not only historic programs and in, in just the longevity of college basketball but recently this has been a very fun matchup these have been two really really good programs and how about this this game being played in Las Vegas there should be a really good crowd for both schools here tonight. I mean, this would be a yeah. really fun atmosphere type of game for UCLA and Gonzaga because you look at the other ones, FAU and Tennessee, they're also up in Madison Square Garden at New York City. Arkansas and UConn are in, are in Las Vegas as well. So they're, look, they'll have fans there. It's a Sweet 16, but nobody should have more fans at their venue tonight than Gonzaga and UCLA playing at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Yeah, so 40% of your 30-win teams still left in this tournament will be uh, in that matchup, and that's going to be exciting. It's going to be two teams that um, are well-regarded by metrics, uh, two great programs, but a clash in terms of identity. One is a defensive team, the other is an offensive team, and I am curious to see how that game goes. Uh, I think UCLA's offense is a good bit better than Gonzaga's defense. UCLA's offense is the 21st ranked offense in the country. Gonzaga's defense is the 75th ranked defense. So while while UCLA is the second best defense and Gonzaga is the top offense in the country, I am curious if UCLA is able to put up some numbers on the offensive end against that Gonzaga defense. 
Um, but I am curious when I look at this game, what kind of performance, if, if I told you Gonzaga won this game, give me your Drew Timmy stat line. Oh, boy. He's averaging 21.1, 7.3, and 3.2 this year. That's 21 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists. Hmm. So you're asking, what what, what does, does Drew Timmy's stat line have be, to look yes, like? Yes, because he is the go-to guy for this Gonzaga team. For Gonzaga to pull the slight upset the one point under as the one-point underdog, what does Drew Timmy have to get to as far as production in this game? It's a good question. And look, there's no doubt that Drew Timmy is the guy that he makes this team go. When they are needing a bucket, they go to Drew Timmy, especially this year where they don't have as many senior and uh, very athletic guards as they have had in the past. Uh, Drew Timmy, for Gonzaga to win this game tonight, I think Timmy has to go for 25. I think 25 points is a good is a good mark for him. I think 25 points, I think he's got to grab six-plus rebounds and most of those have to be offensive for Gonzaga to get those multiple shot opportunities. He's got to get free throw attempts as well in those 25 points. So I'm going to say 25 points, six rebounds, and three or four assists. I think a stat line like that, it's going to be heavy, but I think if he's able to do that, that'll give them the best chance to win. I think he'd have to get more rebounds than that. And I think the way that they're going to play him – I. I think you might see, you could see a game where Timmy has to get ten rebounds and he has to get to five or six assists because I think you're going to see a a UCLA team really try to limit him. But the thing is, how who can who has the ability to actually slow down Drew Timmy? Nobody's really done that well, really from the vast majority of his career. Yeah, which is fair and. Uh, he's just so good, man. His footwork is good. It's great. It is phenomenal. And he is just a he's a go-to guy for Gonzaga. And I think he has to have a huge, huge night. But UCLA has to find a way to get the basketball out of his hands or just, better yet, deny him the basketball. If you're UCLA, you have to find a way to get Drew Timmy away from the basket, get him out of the painted area, and deny him the basketball. Take your best defender put him on his hip, and do not leave him. That should be a, a game plan for for UCLA. I don't care what the other guys do on defense. You put somebody on Drew Timmy's hip, and his job defensively is to not let him get away. And if you do that and pressure the basketball, and when he gets the ball in the paint, if you're unable to deny him, crash him. Double team him, crash him immediately, and make him pass it out. It's simple. Make somebody else beat you. Yeah, make Timmy- someone else beat you. Timmy has not scored below 15 points over the last two months. He has the game before that. In the last game in January, he had a just odd game. Eight points, five assists, five boards. Uh, but, I mean, he has more 30-point games than he does games below 15 points, I think, by at first glance this season. I mean, he is the engine that drives uh, this Gonzaga offense that is so good. Can't, what kind of help can he get around him? Because you know this UCLA team, they're going to key on Drew Timmy. How much uh, How much help is Drew Timmy going to get? Um, and the stars for these teams, Drew Timmy versus Jaime Jaquez. I'm fascinated to see who at the end of this game can 
kind of look up and say, I got the best of the other guy. In that, and they're not necessarily matching up with each other one-on-one, but you're talking about a top-five player, the fifth-ranked player in Kimpom in the country this year versus the number-three player. Drew Timmy's fifth. Jaime Jaquez is third. It's a great matchup. You also have Tiger Campbell, who's a very good player. I'm very, very excited about this game. I think this one is the one that has has generated the most uh, excitement for me of the Sweet 16, to be honest. We'd love to hear your excitement about the Sweet 16 getting underway tonight in Las Vegas and in New York City. You can call in, give us uh, your thoughts and your picks. That's what we're going to do when we come back. We'll make our official picks for the games tonight in the Sweet 16. And you can go to our ESPN 106.7 Twitter page. Just type it at ESPN 106.7. We've got a poll up there right now asking which Sweet 16 game are you looking forward to the most tonight out of the four games and Arkansas UConn continuing to receive some votes they're in first place Gonzaga UCLA in second FAU Tennessee in third but Michigan State Kansas State starting to inch up there a little bit so we'll see what the final results are but again give us a call we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 we'll make our picks for the Sweet 16 games tonight when we come back and then at 330 Chris Gordy host of the Locked on SEC podcast will join us all coming up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Making picks for the Sweet 16 as it gets underway tonight in New York City and in Las Vegas here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Continue to go vote at ESPN 106.7 on Twitter in the poll about which game you're most excited about tonight. You can also call in 334-321-1390. We've established that I am most excited for Arkansas-UConn. You are most excited for UCLA and Gonzaga. I think those are probably our both number twos, but want to make our official picks for these games tonight because at 3.30, uh, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us and talk all things Southeastern Conference. We'll just start at the top and work our way down. Seven seed of Michigan State, Tom Izzo, Mr. March. We talked about his his legacy in college basketball and how he has done a lot with a little. And taking on three seed of Kansas State, who out of the Big 12 – you just don't know what you're going to get because all these teams are battle-tested. Their records may not be great, but they're really good teams out of the Big 12. Michigan State favored by a point tonight in New York. Yeah, I mean, when I look at this matchup, I'm so fascinated because I think you got a the better coach for Michigan State. I think you've probably got a more battle-tested team in Kansas State playing in the Big 12 with how difficult that conference has been and some of the wins they've gotten this year. I mean, they got a not is it did this game really not go to overtime? They beat Texas on January 3rd 116 to 103 and it didn't go to overtime? Yeah, that game went wild. What? Went wild. And speaking of Kansas State... I don't recall that at all. (laughs) We haven't mentioned it yet, but I do want to. How about the greatest story in college basketball this year, Keontae Johnson? The fact that he is doing what he's doing after almost not being able to play basketball again, having a literal life-threatening scenario and medical emergency, and the fact that he is not only back playing college basketball... He is averaging 17.5 points a game right now and went 
ballistic in that last game against Kentucky for Kansas State to kind of come back there at the end and win that thing. Kansas State is a good team, and Michigan State is a well-coached team. I just think that the Kansas State Wildcats have a little bit more firepower. I think their defense is solid. I'm going to take Kansas State tonight. Technically the underdog, according to the batters, I'm taking Kansas State tonight. I think when I look at this game, I have a hard time going against what I think is the hottest player in this tournament, and that's Marquise Noel, who has been unbelievable down the stretch. You look at uh, his two tournament games right now, 17 points against Montana State, 14 assists, six rebounds. 14 assists in a college game is a ton. Uh, Then against Kentucky, 27 points, nine assists, a couple rebounds. Unbelievable what he's done down the stretch. And, I mean, in a Kentucky game where it felt like Kentucky had the lead and it felt like they kind of were going to win the game, they had the better talent, I think, on the roster. Marquise Noel just said, nah, like I'm I'm going to take over the game in the final four minutes, mm-hmm. and I'm going to will my team to the Sweet 16. I think he does it again tonight uh, for Kansas State, and I think it's – I'm excited about that game. The more I talk about that game, the more it's it's moving up to – it might be my second favorite game wow. of the night. Wow. Wow. Well, we're both picking against Mr. Marks and Tom Izzo, so uh, we'll let you know tomorrow if, if that was a bad idea. But the other game I want to pick, and we'll pick the other two at the end of the show – FAU, the nine seed, taking on four seeded Tennessee. The biggest line, it's up to five now. Tennessee favored by five over the Owls. Does Florida Atlantic, well, better question. What does Florida Atlantic have to do to pull the upset against Tennessee tonight? Um, hmm. They got to shoot really well from the outside. I, I just, I don't see a way that they match up physically with this Tennessee team and the physicality that they have. They got to shoot really well and catch Tennessee on one of those games where Tennessee can't hit a shot uh, which is it's been something that's been fascinating to keep an eye on Uh, what was it it was Olivier uh, Kamahua I I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name to be honest with you but he was unbelievable against Duke he had 27 points he shot 76.9% from the field. How about that? Uh, 75% from three and 80% at the free throw line. You don't get numbers like that. He's 10 of 13 from the field, three of four from three, four of five at the free throw line. If you get a performance like that out of out of him, I'm not sure what, what FAU can do. And I kind of feel like people don't like this FAU team coming into it because, because one, they, they took down... America's sweetheart, FDU, Fairleigh Dickinson, in the last game. In a game that Fairleigh Dickinson was in that game for a while. Um, and the antics at the very end of the game. Yeah. the We talked about that. With the game over, like eight-point game, breakaway dunk, trying to do a windmill, whatever. And, yeah, I, give me Tennessee in that one. Yeah, it, it comes down to Florida Atlantic. As basic as this sounds, you've got to hit some shots tonight, buddy. If you want to beat Tennessee, I'm going to take the Volunteers. We'll pick the final two games at the end of the show, but Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, joins us on the other side. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. 
and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes left on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067 as Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, joins us on the phone lines. Chris, hope you're doing well. Uh, it's a busy time with basketball in the Sweet 16 getting underway tonight. Baseball season is in uh, full swing, no pun intended, and spring practice for football getting underway. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, do well, guys. And, uh, you know, look, I'm here to, to come and eat a little crow after uh, Auburn. <laughs> I forgot about that until game. you brought it up, Chris. I forgot about and, it. And you know what? Saturday night at halftime, I was really gonna, I was really looking stupid until, uh, well, frankly, Auburn decided to look stupid in the second half of their game <laughs> and, uh, and not uh, make a shot. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Look, I thought there was a valiant effort from Auburn. And I thought they played a pretty uh, – Pretty, you know, great game against Iowa and then a pretty great half against uh, Houston, at least for a half. But, uh, yeah, hey, look, they exceeded my expectations from where I thought they were a week ago. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to win a game when in the second half you go four of 24 from the field. And, I mean, for a while there in that second half, it felt like a little bit of a free throw contest because of the way the game was being officiated. And um, Houston went 18 of 18 and Auburn did not. But, uh, how, yeah, how how much of a scare was like was there in the kind of Houston area and fan base uh, when it was down ten at half and that Houston team maybe hadn't looked as sharp through one and a half games of the NCAA tournament? Oh yeah, people people in Houston were freaking out, and then on top of the guys at the very same time, like while that was going on, the World Baseball Classic's going on, and Jose Altuve gets hit in the hand and is walking off, and you're like, oh god, he broke something in his hand, and so it was. It was just not a good night for Houston at that moment. It was like you lose Altuve and Houston is about to go down when the Final Four is in Houston. But uh, luckily, like I said, they were able to rebound, get the win, and now they're just they're two wins away from getting to the Final Four in their own city, which I don't know, going back to the years of history, I don't know if anybody's ever done that, won a uh, championship in the host city where uh, the college basketball championship is being played. So we'll see. they still got something to play for, and uh, – how about the SEC? I mean, three teams in the Sweet 16. I had all these Big 12 people beating their chest a week ago telling me how dominant the Big 12 is, how much better they are than the SEC. And here we are, only two Big 12 teams remain, and we got three SEC teams in the Sweet 16. Let them know, Chris. Let them know, man. We are here for we're here for the pumping up of SEC and the uh, and the bashing of the Big Twelve when two of their best schools and one of them, Texas, who is a two seed, is about to be in the SEC. So uh, we're here for it, man. Well, that's what's funny. One of them was trying to claim they're like, well, well, technically Houston is a, is about to be in the Big Twelve. I'm like, uh, oh, the hell with that. Funny. I'm like, Tex- I'm like, Texas is about to be in the SEC, so we'll claim them. we got four teams in the Sweet 16. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. Well, what have you seen from these SEC squads? A couple of them losing in the round of 32, Auburn and Missouri. But, as you mentioned, three of them playing in the Sweet 16, including Tennessee and Arkansas, who play tonight. Yeah, uh, I'll start with Tennessee. You know, What they did defensively against Duke was phenomenal. I mean, I don't know if I've seen a, a better just overall top-to-bottom start-to-finish defensive performance on the year. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski does a, a weekly show on Sirius XM, and even he said, you know, he talked to John Shire after the game, and he was like, Coach, there's nothing else we could have done against that team. They just, they, they were more physical than us. They beat us up. Uh, I know there's been jokes, been, you know, been made about uh, 
you know, FAU's coach said, oh, we got to prepare for some rugby tactics was how physical Tennessee is. <laughs> uh, it will be interesting because FAU, I mean, look, this is a team that's 33-3. and They lost three games all year long. They're one of the best offenses in all of college basketball, and so they're coming to score points. But I do know this, their defense is not very good. And so I think Tennessee's going to take it in. You know, the last game, the storyline was Tennessee's defense. I think tonight the storyline could be if Tennessee's offense shows up, I think they can have their way with FAU. And if they lock down defensively and slow them down, I think this is a game Tennessee wins and, and wins easy. So um, kind of interesting because I really I was doubting Tennessee at the start of all this and losing Zakai Ziegler a couple weeks ago. I just didn't think they would overcome it. But, man, they've had different guys step up and, uh, I'm picking Tennessee to win tonight. I'm picking Arkansas to lose tonight. I think UConn mm-hmm. has just been so good all year long. And, you know, Eric Musselman, look, he's he's done a great job. Been the back-to-back Elite Eights. And, you know, he's got a chance here to win this one and get to his third straight one. I just don't know. I think Arkansas runs out of gas tonight. Uh, what I do find interesting is their dynamic freshman, you know, one of the top recruits in the country a year ago, Nick Smith, you know, comes to Arkansas, is dealt a blow with the injury and all this. He comes back. Uh, and he had some nice high-scoring games when he first got back in there, but high volume. He was taking a lot of shots and not very uh, efficient, and it was interesting. Eric Musselman kind of limited his minutes in the last game, and you know, I had somebody tell me, they're like, look, this is winner-go-home time. You can't kowtow to the five-star and go, well, we recruited you, we got to roll with you. No, Eric Musselman said, I don't give a damn what your recruiting ranking was or how talented you are. I'm going to sit your ass on the bench if you're not making shots. And so – uh, pretty interesting. I'll, I'll be curious to see how they use Nick Smith tonight, how many minutes he plays. And I do think it's one of those things. If he's making shots early, then I think he, they up his minutes. I think he plays more time tonight. But uh, kudos to guys like Devo Davis who've stepped up for his team. And, you know, every time they need somebody to step up, Arkansas always seems to find somebody. So be fun to see how they play tonight. I know they're about a four-point underdog. But, uh, look, nothing would please me more than to see two SEC teams move on tonight. But I just think, I think one wins, and I think one this is the end of the road. With the other SEC team playing tomorrow in Alabama, with with how they've looked so far in the tournament, a couple pretty easy, breezy wins for them. Uh, one of them came against a Maryland team that I thought was really good, and they just handled them in the second half. Can anybody stop this Alabama team? And if somebody's going to do it, what has to happen? Yeah, well, to, to simply answer your question, no. Um, you know, and for my bracket's sake, I hope nobody stops them because I got to win it all. But um, don't tell us your bracket you know, still looks good, Chris. Don't lie. Well, it does. I, Memphis was the one I took a shot on, and freaking referees <laughs> can't see a guy right in front of him calling timeout while he has possession of the ball. They call it jump ball, and freaking Memphis gets ousted <laughs> in the first round. But other than that, I still got UCLA, Houston, and, and Alabama alive. But um, no, I mean, look, Alabama, somebody put it to me this way. The other night against Maryland, they played their B game. They didn't even play their A game. They played their B game, and they won by 20. So <laughs> that just tells you how deep and talented this team is. Uh, Javon Cornelly has become such an important piece of this team. Uh, you know, Charles Pettigacco is doing all the, the, the dirty things, you know, 10 points, 10 rebounds, uh, gritty, you know, getting you all the, the um, you know, the physical uh, – plays that you need and i just san diego state i've watched them they're fun to watch they get up and down they like to run but bama's not gonna let them run i mean they're gonna get physical they're gonna get hands in their face and so um i don't know man barring something like if san diego state goes out tonight just kills it from three like if we look at the end of the night and there was and there was something like 
13 for 21 from three. And, you know, like it would take something like that for, I think, Alabama to lose. And then, like, you know, Brandon Miller just is a dud and, you know, he doesn't show up and shoots a low percentage and, you know, they get no bench scoring. Like something just drastically would have to, to happen in my mind for, for Alabama not to win this game and move on. I think uh, Vegas has them around a seven, eight point favorite. So, um, I don't know, man. They've, again, I stand by. They've, they've been the best team I've watched all season in college basketball and uh, throughout the tournament. That has not changed my mind at all. I still think Bama's the best team, and I think they'll handle San Diego State pretty easily tomorrow night. Speaking with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, who joins us every Thursday here on On the Line. Chris, when we talk to you this time next week, who's in the Final Four in Houston? Yeah, I think... Uh, I, I still think Houston has a great chance that they are playing a feisty Miami team on uh, on tomorrow. But I, I think Houston's there. I think Alabama's there. I still think UCLA's there. Um, you know what, what I've saw, what I've seen out of them so far. Uh, I, I think they're going to get a really, really good test in Gonzaga. Uh, UCLA is only like a one point favorite. I think it's a pick them on some sports books. So. Uh, but man, I'm, I'm tired of picking Gonzaga. Every time I pick them, they always disappoint me. It's always like Mark Few every year. He's just like, Oh, this is the year. And then it's not, they never, they never find a way to break through and win it. So I'm sticking with Houston. I'm sticking with Bama. I'm sticking with UCLA. Uh, I forget who's out of the other side of the bracket, but again, I had Memphis. So that, that one's a dud, but, uh, that's your Tennessee portion of the bracket and the Kansas state, Michigan state matchup as well. Yeah, maybe it's Tennessee. But Kansas State was so good against Kentucky down the mm-hmm. stretch, man. They hit some big shots, some big threes. My wife's a Kentucky fan. I said, I said, you know what's going to happen next game, right? Kansas State's not going to be able to make a shot, and it's going to be they just caught fire for those last like six minutes of the Kentucky game. But um, look, never doubt Tom Izzo, Michigan State. This isn't one of their best teams, but man, have they played tremendous basketball? And then uh, you know, Rick Barnes. I couldn't get over what. Um, Mike Krzyzewski was just gushing over Rick Barnes the other night, saying he is one of the best coaches in all of college basketball. I'm like, man, I I like Rick Barnes. I just never thought of him as like he is by far one of the top five coaches in all of college basketball. But um, maybe it's Tennessee. We'll see. Maybe we get some surprises. But I think when it's all said and done, uh, I've got UCLA knocking off Houston. I've got UCLA Bama in the championship in Houston. I gotcha. Well, Chris, switching gears to a different sport that you. Uh, Spent some time covering because the SEC is crazy about it. What is going on with the SEC in baseball right now? I feel like everything, it's a little bit of uh, everything's upside down. You got the defending national champion, uh, Ole Miss, got swept in their first series. You've got this Tennessee program that's uh, that was supposed to be so dominant. They got swept. You've got a bunch of random teams in the SEC East sitting atop the league uh, at 3-0. and is this year just going to be really weird in SEC baseball? It feels like it's going to be. Um, you know, Missouri, I know people have not had high, very high expectations for in, in recent years, and uh, they kind of seem like the surprise team right now. I, was, I could not get over what they were able to do uh, over the weekend against Tennessee, and I know they had the rain out and they had to play the doubleheader on Sunday, but um, to, to put up nine runs, seven runs, seven runs, I mean, this is a Tony Vitello staff that, you know, we were talking about the best arms in the country. And, you know, on top of it, an offense that we thought was going to have a lot of firepower. I mean, we just saw a week ago against Moorhead State. They put up 23 runs in one game, 10 runs against Lipscomb. Like, they felt like they were on fire. 
and they just could not scratch across across runs in the, in the, the series sweep to Missouri. So that was big for Mizzou. And then, like you mentioned, uh, you know, Ole Miss going and getting swept against Vanderbilt. It's, it's nothing to – I wouldn't be hitting the panic button if I'm Ole Miss because Vanderbilt is a very good team, too, and, and they're top ten. They're, mm-hmm. They have high expectations. But, uh, you know, I thought it was big for A&M to steal one from LSU. LSU came out in College Station, and, you know, they, they whooped up on A&M in the first two games. You're like, man, are they going to sweep them? And then uh, had the lead on Sunday, and then the Aggies in the eighth, eighth ninth inning were able to scratch across some runs and, and steal that one from LSU. Uh, the polls did keep LSU at number one, so um, you know we'll see as we continue on here. But you're right. I mean, the two Mississippi schools, you know, back-to-back national championships the last two years, A&M and Mississippi State both start 0-3, not great starts. And then, of course, Auburn, who I thought at least would be a little bit, you know, uh, you know, able to battle there in the middle of the pack. They start off 0-3, so, again, not a good start for them. But, uh, yeah, I would say so far the surprises have been, you know, South Carolina, Missouri, and I'd say even Kentucky starting three and zero. They were a team that was expected to finish near the bottom as well. So yeah, I, I wouldn't overreact. It's just the first weekend of SEC play, but uh, we'll see as it starts to play out. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, he joins us every Thursday here on On the Line. Chris, this time next week, it'll be opening day for MLB, man. Yeah, it will be, and uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, Astros. I'm here in Houston. They're going to start on Thursday. Uh, on ESPN, it'll be you know them defending their title as the championship title. Uh, I got some friends there in Atlanta who said uh, they're they're super hyped for the Braves. Uh, I know they're selling out of a lot of games upcoming, so it's going to be fun, man. This is start of um, start of baseball season is always a, a fun time of year, and uh, everybody starts nothing, nothing. So if you're a Pirates fan, if you're a, a Marlins fan, <laughs> hey man, your team is undefeated right now, so get excited. There you go. Shoot some shots while you got a chance at if we have any Pirates or Marlins fans here. But uh, again, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, man. It's always a fun time to talk to you. We appreciate it. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you, all your work, and what you got coming up. Yeah, LockedOnSEC.com or wherever you get your podcast and uh, on YouTube as well. We're talking more spring ball this week. Uh, interesting reports out of Auburn with the comments Hugh Freeze made this week about Robbie Ashford. So we'll be talking real soon about Auburn's spring game, and uh, we'll talk more on the Auburn quarterback spot with you guys next week. Yes, sir. That's absolutely right. We'll talk more Auburn football next week. Chris, we appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, guys. That is Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Again, he joins us every Thursday at 3.30 right here on On the Line. We appreciate it. Always a good time and uh, never a dull moment with Chris. And respect to him, he came on here and owned up that he was wrong about Auburn in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So good for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> love Good for him. We we obviously feel uh, great that Auburn was able to get that first win. Um, but uh, I mean, apparently he's got three of the uh, his Final Four teams still alive. So he's he's doing better than most most of the country, if not all. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Well, again, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Always a fun time talking to him, and next week, you heard it, we'll talk baseball, we'll talk spring practice, as we'll have more information from Auburn and everything else going on around the SEC, including the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8. When we come back, we'll give our picks for the other two Sweet 16 games tonight, the big ones. Talking about UCLA, Gonzaga, and Arkansas, and UConn 
you can call in and be a part of our final segment 334-321-1390 go and vote on the twitter poll at espn 1067 on twitter tell us which game you're looking forward to the most tonight we'll make our final picks arkansas versus uconn and gonzaga ucla when we come back you are on the line on espn 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. Big, big thank you to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. If you've missed any of that interview or any part of the show today, it's been a lot of fun here in the studio. Go back and catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Got a few more minutes and I've still got two tickets. We gave away two earlier. I've got two more. Auburn baseball versus Georgia tomorrow night, the Friday night game at Plainsman Park. Call in. First one, you get them. You know how it is. 334-321-1390. Got to give these things away in the next few minutes. So give us a call if you're looking for some Friday night plans at Plainsman Park. Got two tickets. Auburn baseball versus Georgia 334-321-1390. First one to call in, you will win. But Carter got to make our final picks for the other two games going on tonight in the Sweet 16. You've got Arkansas, the eight-seed versus four-seeded UConn, and three-seed Gonzaga versus two-seeded UCLA. We'll start Arkansas and UConn. Who wins and why? I mean, I just think this UConn team's playing too well right now. I think that they... Yes, they had that rough stretch to start uh, Big East play, but they've been really good ever since, really, um, it became February. From from basically the very end of January on, they've lost two games. Uh, they've been really impressive. They've been impressive in the tournament. Uh, a dominant win over uh, Iona, which they were losing at half in that game, and then a pretty dominant win over St. Mary's as well. Um, so I think that they get it done against an Arkansas team that I know is playing well as well. I know they just beat the one seed, but I think this U- I think this UConn team might win the national championship. Wow. I I I like UConn tonight. I didn't like them coming into the tournament. They have proven me wrong. And I've been waiting on Arkansas to hit that game where they just don't play well. I think it could be tonight. I think they'll be in it. But I think it's going to come down to the fact that Arkansas can't shoot from deep. If they get down at any point in this game, they can't hit threes. And I think that's going to really hurt this team. Eric Musselman will try to take his Arkansas squad to a third straight Elite Eight. It will not happen. I'll take UConn out of the Big East tonight. Then, three-seeded Gonzaga, two-seeded UCLA. This could be the game of the night. And according to our Twitter poll, it's actually seconds. People are still on the Arkansas-UConn game. But... This game tonight, UCLA favored by a point. I'll go ahead and give my pick. I'm taking UCLA. They're too good defensively. They're still a really good offensive team. I like UCLA to shut down as much as possible Drew Timmy, deny him the basketball, double him when he gets it anywhere inside the painted area, shut him down, make someone else beat you, and I just don't think Gonzaga has it this year to make it as far as they normally do. I'm taking UCLA tonight in the late game. Yeah, I'm excited about this game. I know I've talked a lot about it already today. I think that I'm not in love with this Gonzaga team this year. Uh, I'm not either. UCLA doesn't have Jalen Clark, which is, I mean, it's a big piece that they're missing, but I still think they are good enough defensively. I still look at the way that they've played in this tournament. Um, I think they get it done. Kim Palm actually 
for for the this is the number three team in Kimpom versus number seven team. Kimpom's got it as a three point margin of victory for UCLA, which is a lot when you're splitting hairs between that top seven eight teams. I think UCLA gets it done. I think their defense is too good, and I think their offense is good enough to take advantage of a potentially kind of lackluster Gonzaga defense that's probably one of the worst defenses that we see in the Sweet 16 this year. Yeah, and and we talked about how, er, and I talked about, the matchup that I'm looking at is the opposite of what you would think. UCLA's offense versus Gonzaga's defense should be a fun one. I'm taking UCLA tonight. Enjoy the Sweet 16 tonight. We'll talk the results tomorrow. Make picks for tomorrow's game and the Elite Eight. Should be a lot of fun on the show tomorrow. Out of time, but come back 2-4 to four right here on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.